Good morning to you. It's Friday morning. I say fry yay because uh, my one, uh, we got a fun set. The boys I can't wait. We got a golf day. It's a golf Friday. Uh, and it looks like the rain has moved out. I don't want to like jinx it, but seems like we're going to get a window to where we might be able to play today. I don't know. Patrice Jimenez is in Miami and she says it's a raining cats and dogs. Yeah, yeah so. South is fine. I don't care. As long as it's not raining West and it's not raining here, I'm good to go. So I, I West and East are bad because it tends to move across the state, not up and down the state so much. So hopefully we keep it clear and we get sunny, sunny skies for the day. But yesterday was awesome. Um, just want to give a shout out to Nick Mao, Brian DePotter, the First Point crew. We had a fantastic session yesterday. Um, not all f- like brand new content, but some new content and formatted in a way because a lot of the people that were a part of this were their interns. And some of them were interns who I spoke to last year about LinkedIn. And some of them were new interns who had not seen me before, but I focused everything on what high performance looks like as an individual and how you focus on developing a strategy for your mindset how you develop a strategy for your behaviors. And uh, they really, I mean, they loved it. So it was awesome to get all of the messages and the feedback from them saying, hey, you really impacted me early in my career. Super excited to put some of these things into practice. So it was really cool. Well, you can never hear it too much, I don't think. I mean, it's so even if it's coming from the same voice, if you repackage it and just deliver it differently, the content, you know, what you, you know, we talk about this all the time, inputs create outputs. And so, you know, exactly. Put good stuff in, you may pick up a nugget here and there. So congratulations. They, uh, you built a nice relationship with them. They're responsible for getting you introduced to Florida State. Speaking. To the real estate school where I will be in October speaking at the Trends Conference, which the registration for that conference just uh, opened up. I got the email for it yesterday. So be happy to share that with anybody who wants to make the trek to Tallahassee or is going to be in Tallahassee for that. But I actually just set up a meeting with Jason Harrell, who is the head of the professional services uh, school at Florida State. So while I'm there, we get to grab coffee and I get to see what they're offering all of the students in terms of professional services. Excellent. Great. Yeah. Great, great stuff. So uh, Friday's quickly becoming my favorite day. I get, uh, you know, we get to sit across from entrepreneurs and thought leaders. And today we got a doozy who's getting up early. He's coming to us from Houston. Um, this is a guy that came into my world during the pandemic. Um, we'd never met up until six months ago. We, we, you know, had a, a developed a coaching and friendship relationship, and then we've taken it to the next level. So I can't wait for him to share his story and his stuff. Just a reminder, this week is, um, starts the one year countdown to the Olympics in Paris. So it'll be 2024 Olympics in Paris. 
So we're one year out, which would be really cool to go see the Olympics. Um, but they add new sports every year. So this year they're adding something called breaking. <laughs> okay. okay. What is breaking? <laughs> you have me intrigued. Breaking is breakdancing. <laughs> will make its debut as an Olympic sport. So just, wouldn't you know it, just in time when mullets are coming back, we'll have mullets and breakdancing at the at the Olympics. Now, here's the best part, because this is, this is right up Brendan's alley. This is right up Brendan's alley. In 2028, it'll be in Los Angeles, and it'll be um, even bigger. The Olympics will be great. And... Um, the new thing is the beer mile. The beer mile? I swear to God. No. You run a mile and chug four beers. I swear no. to God. In the Olympics? No, I don't know. Nothing tests an athlete's stamina and gag reflux quite like running a mile while knocking back four beers. Earlier this month in Canada, Corey Belmore won the beer mile world. World Classic with a time of four minutes and 30 seconds. If you were telling me that this was the Beer Olympics, I would be totally bought into that and totally believe it. But I have no faith that this event is showing up in the Olympics. It's true. It is true. It's fact. Make it up. I'm going to fact check this. I'm going to fact check this. Please no do. Way. Let's do like uh, Tony Kornheiser or whatever that show is. Uh, right. Yeah. You know, and check it and make sure it's real. But I think if anybody could win it, our guest today, Brendan, could definitely win it, man. He is a ball of fire, a ball of fun. So uh, let's um, wake this thing up. Let's get to his uh, walk-up music, and then let's welcome Brendan Neef to the party. Welcome, Brendan Neef, to another hot seat. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Yeah, that's my uh, that's one of my good running songs when I'm getting hammered and want to just stop it. I put it, that one on and I can usually get through the run. Why? Wow. What about that song pushes you through? Just the beat, you know. And yeah. it kind of, if you watch the movie Vision Quest, you know how he's right. to drop the weight <laughs> and try so. to take on the whatever that big dude's name was that. I don't want to I don't want to hijack the conversation, but I have to tell you that when I was a sophomore in high school, right, the geometry teacher was the wrestling coach and he like spent a week 
on us watching Vision Quest and did like an entire like lesson plan on the movie, on the principles, and like dissected the whole movie for us. So ever since then, I have like a real affini- uh, affinity for for Vision Quest. So, so here's, what I th- here's what I think is important. I think it's important to introduce you with the first Hunter in the Hot Seat question, which we ask everybody is, what's your story? Who is Brendan Neef? Well, Brendan Neef's uh, a guy from a small country town in Normandy, Texas, a uh, population about 450 uh, 19 in my senior class. So if people don't ask too many questions. I can tell them I graduated in the top 20. Um, uh, pl- played some football, was fortunate enough to play uh, four years of college football, started junior college route, ended up playing at Stephen F. Austin in, in Nacogdoches, Texas, um, where we at that time won double A. We still are, uh, I guess, Two things there. We played for the national championship one year against uh, Georgia Southern. We got beat. Uh, got out of high school, got in the gym business, uh, did some personal training for three years. Then I met some guys that told me about the transportation industry. And next thing you know, I got rid of my clients, passed them off to a couple of other trainers, and I started a little uh, transportation company. And then in 2003, started another one. And that's where we are today, Victory Transportation Systems out of Houston, Texas. And if we are fortunate enough to make it to Labor Day weekend, we'll celebrate our 20th year in business. So I, I got to ask, because I asked this to all entrepreneurs, did you grow up in an entrepreneurial family? Did your parents have a small business? What gave you the urge or the confidence or the itch to do your own thing? Well, when I was growing up, you know, we grew up in a rural town, so a lot of things was geared towards ranching, anything related to that, hauling hay, building fence. So I'd probably say more focus on just doing that and, and having fun playing football. Uh, as I got into college, I thought I was going to be a coach and a teacher, so how I wound up in transportation is beyond me. But uh, right when I was finishing school, something – I don't know. I'd veered away from coaching and teaching. I don't know for whatever reason. But my grandparents had uh, grown up in entrepreneurs. My granddad ran a little car lot. And then because of the car lot and doing all the title work, my grandmother started doing his titles, going to the courthouse. Well, that evolved in doing all the little tote and note dealerships around Houston. So I grew up helping her, going to the courthouse, standing in line and different things like that. And then, you know, the gym business was good. But uh, I didn't know what it explode to like today, but um, veering off into the personal training aspect gave me a little bit of the entrepreneurial deal, but it wasn't building a company. It's just going to be more probably at that time for me. And I wanted the challenge of, of building something. So I think it gradually, as I evolved working and different things like that, uh, drove me to try to start a company to see if I could build one. What's, what's super interesting, and we talk about this all the time, is that the root of most people's success, they can point to a relationship, some relationship that, like you said, you had these guys that introduced you to something. Those are inflection points that take you in a direction you probably never would have gone on your own. So tell us a little bit more about Victory, because I obviously get the uh, the pleasure of spending time with you each week. Um, I've seen you grow as a leader. I've seen the company grow. So tell us more about where you live in the ecosystem. Well, Victory started as a little small transportation provider around the Houston area. 
as we grew, customers came to us with different opportunities. So that started evolving into over the road transportation, moving up to bigger trucks, up to tractor trailers, led to a 3PL division as well. And then just recently, we started an intermodal division, drayage and container. So we launched that April 3rd. So that's a really good opportunity if we can execute that we can grow and scale and maybe move to other geogra geographical locations. Savannah and Charleston are really big intermodal port opportunities. So our goal is to really grow in Houston as we get our feet, feet under us and execute, build out a good model, and then take it to two or three other port cities. So behind every great business is a great leader or somebody who's driving it. Um, I hope you're okay that I'm going here. Um, you and I became friends uh, early, then we started working together. And then one day you called us and said, hey, I got to put a pause on the coaching. And I said, okay, what's up? And you had gotten a very serious diagnosis. So I hope you'll unpack for people what it's like to have resilience, persistence, and tell them the story because we've had people on here sharing the the trials that they've been through and the trials actually make them better people, better leaders. So take it away. Well, so if anybody remembers uh, February, 2021, we had that really huge freeze in the South and it really impacted Houston. And I remember it well for, uh, so Houston was shut down for basically a week, no work, nothing going on. A lot of people's power out and different things. So I was at home that Thursday morning, got up, just uh, felt like I needed to clear my chest and coughed up a, about a quarter splotch of, of blood. Nothing the rest of the day. Same thing the next morning, Friday morning. So I got into the doctor starting the process on Tuesday, got a chest x-ray, had a, had a pretty good sized mass in my left lung, ended up going to a pulmonologist Thursday, a bronchoscopy the following Wednesday and um, uh, the return was a, a lung cancer. And so once I started figuring out the, the steps of what needed to be done, uh, started with the oncologist, determined I had a mutation, some four letter word mess that I can't remember half the time that uh, made me susceptible to lung cancer, I had a mutation in my body. So he had a plan. The plan was hopefully do some chemo for nine weeks and then do a surgery. They chose to do chemo first because I'd had the tumor probably almost a year and the doctor wanted to see if the tumor responded to the chemo, then he felt that anything they couldn't see would, would have been, been destroyed. So then uh, started out right out of the gate meeting with the uh, thoracic surgeon. And it was pretty clear that if surgery became an option, I was gonna have to remove my left lung. So. Fortunately, the chemo did what it was supposed to do. Uh, took about an eight-week recovery, started a, uh, from the surgery, I should say, and then started a uh, immunotherapy pill daily for three years and, and just working my way back to, to the best part of normalcy that I can get to after having the left lung removed. So I don't know if other people can pick up on this. I don't know if it's just because I know you previously, but the way you talk about everything is very systematic. The way you talked about your career, the way you talked about victory and where you guys are going, the way you just talked about being diagnosed with cancer and coming back from it. Where does that come from? Where, where does that systematic 
process approach come from? Great question, Mark. Great. Well, I think for me, it's 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 one the way to deal with with what you have going on, whether it may be a a, a bad challenge, that's circumstance that's being presented to you, or the approach that I take when I am uh, when we are working to build the business, or if it's in my outside work routines or my work. I just follow, think following a regimen for me keeps me in line and keeps me focused on what we're going to work to execute. You know, it's kind of like when I did get diagnosed, there's just really two choices, the, the, the news to tell my family. And then now what are we going to do to figure out how to navigate the, the waters? And so the, the doctors laid out kind of like what I'm used to. Here's what we're doing nine weeks of this. And then if that goes well, we're jumping into surgery. So it's just, a, I guess, creating it, getting back into back to the football days, going to the gym, staying regimented to be in shape to the best of my ability and just continuing that discipline with now that the things that I have going on in my life, whether it's work, fun, you know, even planning out going to Fort Lauderdale to give Steve hell on a, on a Labor Day week, Memorial Day weekend. So I would ask you, because not everybody is a former athlete and, I, and you and I click so well in our conversation because we have that football background. We understand process and routine and rhythm for people that aren't athletes, for people that aren't, you know, used to that kind of discipline. What can you give to them to help them understand the importance of that and why it works so well for you? Well, I think if you look at anybody that's done something completed a marathon went to college the ones that that really did well they figured out a way to do it when they didn't feel like doing it and they figured out how to navigate the the pain of doing it to get to where you want to go knowing that if they didn't get to where they wanted to go they were going to have the pain of disappointment mm. i think if you take those things that figuring out where you want to go first and foremost, whatever it is, you want to run a marathon, you want to, you want to build a successful business. There's steps daily to take that enhance or give yourself a chance of them succeeding. And so for me, it's just following those daily rituals and daily regimens and getting into those habits that knowing mastering my ability to get through, push through, grind through is going to give me the better, best opportunity to execute, grow the business, whatever it may be. Any any surprise that we have a great friendship? Yeah. Um, so um, I just want people to know that the moral of that story of your health disaster, you run faster and longer now with one lung than you did with two. I run so far as far. Not as fast. The pace is <laughs> a little bit different. So I can't put the S on your chest? <laughs> no, you cannot. However, uh, and it'll let me know that, that trying to push the pace a little bit, it'll let me know, hey, slow down. You got you got one lung. But just being able to do it again is a blessing, you know, and just being able to do basically nothing I can't do today that I didn't do before. So God's good. I, I'm grateful for that. Uh, so what your commitment to getting better, your commitment to learning um, astonishes me. You have a series of advisors and coaches. Um, I'm happy to be part of that stable, but talk to us about your uh, thirst to just know. Well, I mean, you know, for me, 
I guess one of the biggest things for me, the way that, that drove me to learn how to be a better leader and continue that journey and how to grow a business was growing up and, and especially in the rural area where I grew up, you didn't have any of those things to learn by. And then when you, you come from a very small environment, go to college, you just take your classes and you, you get through and you, you get going in the real world. And, you know, when you start the gym business and, and you're going to learn anything from, from something that's successful, but I didn't have anything really to train me on how to lead, how to, how to grow, how to execute, how to put in process systems. And so the one thing you can do to enhance that is read, you know, you can go to the library, you can just buy a ton of books and take in some of those things from each book can help you do what you're trying to set out to do. It doesn't matter what it is. And so for me, a continuous learning was also going to be one of those things that gave me an advantage or a better opportunity to succeed. Oh, I love that. So, and I, so I want to kind of jump into you starting victory then, because you had come out of the, you know, gym business, which business is sort of business, but transportation is way different than, than physical training. So how did you learn how to start transportation? Was it a lot of trial and error and failure and overcoming? Was it, did you go get a book that gave you a really good footprint to start with that you grew off of? What was the start? Well, really for me, I started one company and just when I brought on partners and started it all, just not knowing what the hell's going on and no money, no nothing, just hardheadedness basically. <laughs> so what, what that led to was partners and one of me and the one of the partners just didn't see eye to eye on anything. So I basically got fired and then, uh, from his own company, that's a lead, there's a left right. there. Right. <laughs> yeah, once you start bringing on partners, especially if you don't have any money, you get diluted real quick. So, uh, and let's be clear, the second partner, which I, I still move his freight today, and we have a good relationship, but if he wouldn't have come on board, we'd have probably went out of business. So I figured 45% of something's better than 100% of zero. Sure. Anyway, get fired. That led to starting the third company, or victory, I should say. And, uh, but really when I first got in the business, I didn't know anything about transportation, but I realized I better get some customers. So I started talking to people, figuring out who uses these little courier companies. Prina went to the, my grandparents' car lot, borrowed their phone book, shows you how outdated I am. And, uh, just made lists of print companies and title companies on legal pads, three to a page. Next day, just started calling started getting some appointments and I asked the customers or prospects, what do you need from me? Cause if they tell me what they need, I can figure out how to go do that. Well, I need you to pick it up at a on time and deliver it to B on time. Okay. Not a whole lot hard to do that with my little car. So I was my first driver and you just learn from there, you know, and as you get a few more customers, you got to get a few more drivers. So you got to figure out insurance and all the different things. So definitely the beginning stages was learn on the fly. Yeah. And then as things started growing a little bit, I, I had to start seeking out people that had been in the transportation space. And I, I just started co-calling people and, and uh, that had been in the business and were heard was successful. And some of them gave me their time. So, and we'll go to overtime. That's fantastic. I mean, you there's so, brother, you there's earned so many, there's so many nuggets. All that there. money you charge me, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's true. It's true. <laughs> so I would say, you know, 
for me, the thing that people don't see, and I really want to drive home to that, is you were like, I failed. I failed. Like, I got fired from the first job. And I think people look at entrepreneurs. They look at people that, like, if you looked at your LinkedIn, says you've been at Victory for 20 years, and you're like, damn, this guy had it figured out from the start. He started a business. He was successful with it. He's grown it over 20 years. I think, you know, understanding that you came through that, 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 adversity and that failure early you've dealt with it within within your health recently you've dealt with it early in your career by getting fired from a first company that you started where does the resilience come from in you and i know you're going to point back to football and say like sport taught me that but where else where else does that resilience and that drive to overcome and not fail come from i think obviously getting the, the discipline from the football. So you hit that head on, but you know, just, I think two don't want to fail. Number one, number two, you know, coming from where I come from to, to maybe um, show other people's from our, for other people from our community that they can go out and do something. They don't have to just maybe stay around in the, in the rural community. And that's even more so probably more now than, than I was growing up through this business. Cause you don't think like that when you're young, but you know, if I started it, then the goal for me was how do I make it successful? And I rather fail continuing to move forward, but figuring out how to overcome each failure versus once failure kind of got me down, which it has multiple times. If people would have bought the business at any given days over the years for a hundred dollars, I'd even put them on a payment plan. So <laughs> you, you definitely go through those challenges where you're like, what the hell am I doing? But just to keep it going. And then as you get employees, you know, I impact them one way or the other through good decisions or bad decisions. And yeah. And so I just need some of those good decisions to be good. But if something fails in the business, then I'm impacting them in a huge, uh, maybe life altering way, at least short term. And mm -hmm. those are the things that keep me going. And then being able to uh, long term goal for me is how, how can I give back to to my community and to, to through some of those things like that because that's that's big to me so when i'm thinking negatively i'm thinking long term of and that gets me through some of the challenges or downtimes dark times you know? well done well well done oh gee be great so um we so appreciate you doing this is this your first podcast I'm not a uh, first live podcast if we're live so i don't know how y'all yeah i've done I've done another podcast as well. One, one other one. Which was well done. Crushed the live cool. one. Very nice. Well, as I told you, and as we share each week, you are truly an inspiration. Ivor uh, uh, on LinkedIn jumped in and said, truly an inspiration. You are. I love working with you. I love the fact that you're a friend and I love that we get to share good times together. So uh, thank you for being you. Uh, for those that want to reach out to him, he is visible on LinkedIn. He is there and he's doing a good job and actually has heavily recruited through LinkedIn. It's done a Absolutely. great job and, and, listening yeah. to this. The man is hiring through LinkedIn. Yeah. And you know, where I learned my LinkedIn stuff was was from you and it's uh, it's paid huge dividends. And I have one last thing to say. I hope y'all sent Shay out to buy a bunch of golf balls. <laughs> yeah. I, I got buckets. I got well, buckets. Ready Eddie, to go. Eddie Dyke said, buy another pair of socks. And I'm like thinking to myself, why? He goes, in case you get a hole in one. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> Brandon, thank you.
<laughs> Brandon, thank you so much for being on the Huddler in the Hot Seat. Thank you for being a great member of our community and being an inspiration to all of us. Continue to lead the way, sir. Thank you very, very, very much. I enjoyed it. Thanks for letting me start my Friday this way. See you guys. You got it. You guys have a great weekend. Remember, the grind includes Saturday and Sunday. We will see you on Monday. Let's get down to business. Come up, please don't worry about me. I'm about to let my heart speak. Friends keep telling me to leave this. So let's get down. Let's get down to business. Let's get down. Let's get down to business.